Lab coats decorating the mall in Washington, D.C. A dream? Stay tuned. Issues and Ideas continues now with Ears on Art. Good afternoon. I am Chrissy Hewitt, and my co-host, Stephen DeLuke, and I produce this program about the visual arts twice a month here at KCBX Public Radio for the California Central Coast. Today we visit with two artists, one from Los Osos, one from San Luis Obispo, who are part of a small but growing team called Save Our Science, S-L-O. Yes, you are listening to Ears on Art. We're talking today about the interconnection of science and art. Admittedly, Stephen DeLuke and I believe that this interconnection exists with just about every discipline we can think of. So it was fun talking with our guests, Debbie Gadello and Ellen November. As you will hear, they are wonderfully adamant about this subject. Stephen and I met up with them at Ellen November's house in San Luis Obispo. Today's topic is going to be a nice little push from just our routine talking with the artist about their work. We have two guests today, and the first one is Debbie Godilo. Debbie, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And Ellen November. Hi there. Okay, so Debbie, if you want to fill us in a little bit. Sure. Our project is called the Save Our Science Project, and it is an art and community building and political action project using lab coats decorated artistically to make a statement in defense of science. Lab coats that are your own because science is something you're doing, or are you making them for others? Combination? Well, we purchased over 100 disposable lab coats, and we're giving them to people for a $10 donation. Then we're having workshops where we get together and embellish the coats on a science theme. We intend to have more workshops in the future. The ultimate goal is to have an art exhibit here in San Luis Obispo with all the coats. And then eventually we want it to expand across the country. And then the final goal at this point is to have uh, an art exhibit in Washington, D.C. with the coats. In terms of Washington, other people around the country are doing this? Well, this is a grassroots right out of San Luis Obispo and Los Osos, so we're at the very beginning stage, and the first coats were displayed at the March for Science Saturday on Earth Day in San Luis Obispo. We had a really nice turnout. There seems to be quite an interest in self-expression with this medium. I bet. I was there at the march, and I'm thrilled that you're doing this. When the coats are being displayed, are they going to be worn or are they going to be mounted to the wall? Well, we were just talking about that. We have various ideas. They could be hung from racks. They could be hung from display panels on two sides. They could be worn. They could be on mannequins. So we're still coming up with the uh, idea for how to display them. Disposable ones? How flimsy or whatever are they? They're remarkably firm, and they have cotton cuffs like you'd have on a, a jacket. They have snaps down the front, three pockets on the front, and they're so substantial that I've been sewing on them with my sewing machine. Wow. 
Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> they also take paint and markers and glue, everything really well, except for heat. That's the one thing they can't take because they melt. But they sew really well, as Ellen said, and the paint on them, all sorts of different kinds of paint works really well. And there's been some people who have a cotton lab coat from a past job or from their mom or sister, and they've been taking the more traditional lab coats and embellishing them. In fact, Debbie's doing a beautiful one where she's painting on her mom's lab coat wild animals. So each of the coats has its own special message. I do find it remarkable that we have to march for science because who's questioning science? But apparently that's the day and age we're in. I made a few. The first one was gravity, and I had uh, a tree with apples falling off of it. And like, you know, who doesn't believe in gravity? <laughs> Let's start right there. My second one was about global warming. I had an earth, and I used yarn on them, and I had an earth like on fire. It was my statement on global warming. And then the third one, I had picture large scale, like you would see a molecule under a microscope, and I put, I'm made of molecules. And on the front, I had DNA strings. So these are basic principles of science. And if we back up just a bit, starting with you, Debbie, what is your involvement with science and with art? I mean, what's the connection for you? Well, I grew up in a household of, with my father was a nuclear physicist who was a professor at Cal Poly, mom's a nurse, everybody in my family works in the medical profession, essentially. So very science-driven family. I also taught science in middle school. And I'm a firm believer that we can't do anything in our lives without science being involved. We can't make food. We can't breathe. We're not doing anything, existence, without science. I'm also a firm believer in using our creative spirit. And I now teach art classes with the adult school here in San Luis Obispo. And my goal in teaching art classes is to help remind people that they are creative beings and that it's okay to make things, whether they're perfect or not perfect, but to just jump in and explore and try different techniques and different media, whether a person has confidence or not. So for me, this whole project has a few different layers, and the idea of people stepping into their creative spirit, which is a vulnerable place to be, and stand up and make a statement about how or why science is important to them, it's just this perfect little marriage. We've talked about it a couple of times, haven't mm -hmm. we, Stephen? We have indeed. As a matter of fact, a lot of people think that the sciences and the arts are completely separate disciplines, and they are so interrelated and have been throughout history. Mm. I mean, you look at the drawings of Leonardo da Vinci, and he was a great anatomist, but his engineering drawings were equally as brilliant. I was speaking to a couple of Cal Poly students who were in microbiology, and they asked me, are you a scientist? And I said, no, I'm an artist. And they go, that's great, because we may be working in the lab, but we need people like you to illustrate principles of science, which was neat. And I also grew up with a father who was a physicist, and in my home there was always a microscope. There were prisms, there was holographic <laughs> things, there were fiber optics early oh, demonstration, wow. and my father was bringing home things like a tape recorder. And I was like, Whoa. We had slide slide rule, slide projector. So I was, and I've always been an artist. My parents always encouraged me to be art. So to combine art and science, it's just very natural. Well, I'm a painter, and this day and age, it is so easy to just go down to the art supply store and buy tubes of paint. 
but several centuries ago, you had to have an, an incredible knowledge of chemistry because they blended their own colors. They blended their own paints. And almost every painter was also a chemist. I also think that we tend in this day and age to be very compartmentalized. So we tend to think, oh, these people who are in the laboratory are scientists, and these people who are out in the vegetable patch are farmers, and the people who are in the kitchen are cooks. And I truly believe that we are all of those things, that yes, I may not be able to step in a laboratory and you know understand something under a microscope because I'm not trained that way, but that doesn't mean that I don't utilize science or utilize nature or interact with any number of different subject matter. And I feel like in this day and age, we tend to, our society tends to want us to be compartmentalized and that's just not how we are. So this project has the possibility of bridging some of those compartments and opening those doors a little more efficiently. And I also think it gives us a chance to open conversation with each other about what our interests are and our insecurities and what we're excited about and what our focuses are and why science is important, etc. Certainly makes so much sense. I know that at Poly, when I was teaching sculpture, I became so aware of how much, when you talk about gravity, Ellen, that, you know, how much basic <laughs> physics I have come to understand mm-hmm. as a functioning human being, even though a physics class was never one that I took. And watching how little some people have begun to put those things into their thinking process and how do you counterweight something? How do you, you know, begin to think about physical balance or visual balance? So there's some real basics there. How do we want to think about the world? And I think, Debbie, that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Well, I think science is about being inquisitive and and inquiry and testing and trial and error. And so is being creative, whether you're painting or you're drawing or you're gardening or you're cooking or sewing or anything else. It's about having that idea and not knowing whether it's going to work or not and trying something and testing the waters and going back and forth. It's all the same steps of critical thinking and process. It's also about sharing who you are. As a practicing artist in the past few years, I've started to have art shows, whereas before I was just working alone, and then getting the feedback from other people of what they think of what I'm doing. And they get to know me better, and I'm hearing their feedback, and it's a form of communication that we can share with each other. And of course, a lot of adults say, oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body, but I think somebody told them that (laughs) very early on, and they bought it. But I'm not buying that. (laughs) Oh, so true. Yeah, we've been fed that line and can't draw a straight line with a ruler Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of thinking that just pulls the curtain down. You know, that reminds me, my daughter's a a pediatrician here in San Luis Obispo, and when she was entering medical school, they were looking for people who were Mm multi-talented, a musician, a photographer, a, you know, a athlete. They were looking for our future doctors to be multidimensional. You're listening to Ears on Art here on KCBX Public Radio for the California Central Coast. I'm Chrissy Hewitt, and with co-host Stephen DeLuke, we are having a conversation with two artists who have just started a group called Save Our Science, S-L-O using the visual arts to articulate ideas, keeping us all attuned to the fact that science 
is indispensable in our lives. We continue now with Ellen sharing a bit about her artistic background. I started doing art as a child and my parents always encouraged me and I went to art school and majored in illustration. And in order to support myself, I worked in corporate America, both as an artist and working in IT with the Macintosh. But I've always sewn and quilted my entire life. Really got into photography a number of years ago and have always had a fascination with maps and geography and cartography. And I wanted to meld my photography with my quilting. I just started out printing my photos on fabric and putting them overlaid on a fabric map. And then I discovered uh, a professor, Valerie Goodwin, who became my mentor. She's an architect, she teaches architecture, and she's a quilter. And I attended a, a workshop with her. It just was a springboard for what I'm doing now. And I just did a series of pieces that are based on the Rand McNally Thomas Guide from Los Angeles. And I created a quilt that was a representation of that area. And I feel so grateful that I have something that turns me on every single day. There's no boredom allowed over here. There's just not part of the picture. When you're starting one of these lab coats, Talk about some of the just ideas that start going through your head. So it's always the question, how do I start? How do you start? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know for myself, I started with the, what was the message that I wanted to get across. I am actually in the middle of working on two lab coats, and one is in defense of animals. And there's a quote by Mahatma Gandhi that says, the measure of a society is, is based on the treatment of animals, something along those lines. So I decided that I would use that quote to springboard into a collage of animals that are on the endangered species list. So then, being that person who has spent their whole life thinking they can't do art because I can't just picture something and draw it, <laughs> and I've now released that, I used the internet to go look at pictures of animals <laughs> and then just downloaded a whole mess of animals and then just started sketching out on the lab coat. The other lab coat I'm in the middle of is collage of female scientists from the past to the present, which is being sewn together. I typically, when I'm doing an art project, try to pick something that's going to challenge me, whether it's emotionally or it's a new medium or challenge my second guessing of myself. So sewing is not necessarily something I come to easily. So I thought, what the heck, why not? I've taken the photographs and transferred them onto fabric and I've cut them apart and I'm now sewing them together. I think women are important and I think science is important, so why not have pictures of female scientists? <laughs> Ellen, what kind of things are you playing with? As a quilter, fiber artist, I immediately thought of interpreting it with cloth. Like I said, I started with gravity because it's just such a basic <laughs> concept of <laughs> our existence. So I think I googled gravity and there's Isaac Newton sitting under the apple tree. I got it. I'm going with that. I think global warming was probably the first thing that came to mind because there's so many naysayers and it, the science has shown through hypotheses and proven tests and peer reviews that it is in fact a real thing. So I took a globe and started embellishing it with fibers in the orange and yellow and gold range and it's just a springboard of an idea. When you're seeing those images, different ways of transferring them, obviously just looking and then doing your own interpretation, right. but you're talking about printing on cloth, Debbie, so all of the wonders of technology that allow for 
all sorts of ways to make those transfers happen, right? Right. Which is a result of science. Exactly, exactly. To me, as I said earlier, to assume that there's a separation between science and creativity is ridiculous. And as you alluded to earlier, the fact that scientific investigation is a creative process. Mm -hmm. They're all so interrelated both in the physical attribute but also in the mental attributes of, of how you approach solving problems. At the Science March uh, on Saturday, a professor basically went over the scientific theory, starting with the, is it the hypothesis, the first thing, and, and then peer review. It was kind of refreshing. It reminded me of seventh grade or something, learning all that, and that that is really the basis for scientific discovery and proofs. You're talking about having some workshops and other activities to do all of these things, so are you thinking about how to present a starting place or just hoping that people will be so highly self-motivated that you don't have to do that? <laughs> well, we have several outlets to reach people. On Facebook, our Facebook group is called Save Our Science SLO. We also have an Instagram account called Save Our Science SLO. And if you'd like to email us, we're Save Our Science SLO at gmail.com. That's how you can reach us, and that we're trying to build our mailing list and possibly work with a local museum or galleries to hold workshops as well as hold them in our homes. So when we hold the workshops, the first thing is an invitation to decide what's important to a person. What part of science is important to them? Or is there a specific animal? Or is it critical thinking in the scientific method? Is it the environment, etc.? And then from that gigantic category, it just is a matter of self-questioning, or maybe it's with one of us, to kind of hone in and find out what the actual nugget is. What's the statement that's trying to be made or wanting to be made? And then the questioning is about what is the visual representation of that? Most people are almost automatically thinking two-dimensional because the lab coat is a white canvas. So most people think, oh, markers, <laughs> because that's a familiar feeling in our hand is holding a pen. Being guided by one of us who are all artistic people and art-driven people, I've started to realize that now all of a sudden people remember, that's right, there's fabric and there's yarn and there's paper mache and there's paint and glue and glitter and all sorts of other objects. So essentially, it's almost like bringing the giant activity art box and presenting it to people and letting them start with their idea of whatever the topic is and then, oh, look at the activity box. It's been really fun to watch people, their little ideas start spreading and all of the empowerment that has been happening for people who thought they were walking into something and they were going to take a Sharpie and just write a couple words down which is fine, but really what they're really wanting to do is this bigger project. They just didn't know that they wanted to do it. I'm envisioning the trip to the dollar store. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because yeah. between do-it-yourself stores and the dollar stores, there are so many things that you just go, I don't care what it was meant to do. <laughs> I get to use it for something else. At the march, there were quite a few scout troops there, and we talked to two Girl Scout leaders and light bulbs just went off. This would be a wonderful project for their Girl Scouts, and we can get um, child-sized lab coats as well. Lots of possibilities. The time frame again, I mean, you're looking at like a year out or something? 
Well, the plan at the moment is to shoot for sometime this fall, November-ish, for our public rollout here in San Luis Obispo County. And in between now and then, not only having local people work on lab coats, but also people elsewhere in the country, and we're working on making some of those connections. As far as when it travels across the United States or over to Washington, we don't necessarily have a timeline yet. The more people who can be included in this whole project throughout the country, personally, I think that we believe the better not only to make that statement in defense of science and that it's relevant and important, but also an equal, that equally big side of inviting people to be creative, inviting people to go through the scientific method while they're making something and creating something and using that other part of their brain that might not get used all the time where it's vulnerable and scary and exciting <laughs> and engineering all at the same time. So that might take a little while because... Science isn't going anywhere, but it, tip, it seems to consistently need to be defended. You had talked about the different places where you're doing outreach in terms of the Internet. Are you asking people to actually establish their local groups, or are you just at the moment hoping for individuals to be responding? Yeah, uh, we were talking about creating a curriculum so that we could have a booklet to get to people who want to create their lab coats in different geographical areas and give them a start. And we do have a blog now. So with the internet, we can be very close to people. And I know people around the country who are artists and, and you know, I'm gonna to try to pull them in. But this is the test case here in, in San Luis Obispo. So we need to shine and then we'll have a, a model for everyone. I was thinking in terms of even what happened with the Women's March in terms of all the different groups that identified themselves in their communities. And if that's what you're hoping may happen in terms of pods around the country. We have been in our heads uh, equating it to the idea of that massive impact that the AIDS quilt had. So not that this is necessarily on par with that, but that idea wasn't originated to be this international art installation. And they didn't heal. have the internet. And they didn't have the internet, exactly, or certainly not like we do now. Um, so the idea of, imagine 5,000 people standing in front of the Nas Washington Monument, standing there in decorated lab coats. <laughs> I mean, why not? Imagine how phenomenal yeah. that would be. Or 500 people standing in the middle of a desert in Australia. I don't know, but we see these pictures from these marches of people underwater, some place and by the Great Barrier Reef or something holding signs in defense of science last Saturday, what, the idea of having these decorated lab coats as an art installation and making a statement at the same time can be very small and stay here in San Luis Obispo County, but the potential is pretty darn huge. I'm glad you mentioned the AIDS quilt because that was completely grassroots from the very, very origin of it. And I think that they, when they finally did the display in Washington, D.C. on the mall, there were 20,000 quilts that were on display. That ability to have that outreach, you're in perfect timing, I think. Right now, you're interested in having people who want to create a coat. Correct. That's right. We want people to contact us and come to our workshops and spread the word. Okay, and then the workshops are listed on your different sites. Correct. I'd like to give credit to Irma Stauffer, who's a lecturer at Cal Poly. This was actually her original idea, and she is the gusto 
behind this. A bunch of us just glommed onto it and it just started to grow. So shout out to Irma and uh, also her husband, Ron, who is a professional artist. They have been hosting workshops at their home in Los Osos. And, um, you know, she's just a fireball and I'm glad to, to know her and be a part of this. How did the two of you connect? Our neighbors. Debbie knows my neighbors. Right after the election, many of us felt like we needed to get together and chat. And Debbie hosted um, what's called a huddle at her home, and she calls it the kindness huddle. And Steve and uh, Carmen from across the street invited me to go with. It just grew from there. I like the idea of focusing on the positive and kindness and putting that energy out there in the world. It's been very therapeutic. Very grateful for Debbie's friendship. We also met Irma that same night. The perfect storm, so to speak. <laughs> I believe that we all have that connection of wanting to do things that are positive, for sure, and uplifting ourselves and each other. And then also that just staying in that place of creativity, whether it's art or theater or whatever, each one of us has a slightly different slant. But I think that we, we have that connection of understanding that jumping in and the vulnerability and excitement and possibility. A perfect connection just because I think that we all are coming at pretty much what we're doing in our own personal lives in that same manner, that it's that we're trying to find the happy place, so to speak, but not just live underneath rainbows and unicorns. I think since November, so many of us felt very powerless and being focused on kindness and creativity. I, I don't feel that. I feel like I'm making a difference and focusing my energy in a positive and good way. Even if I'm sitting at home and I'm just drawing simply for the sake of doing it, I'm a better person for that. And I walk away at the end of the day feeling more grounded, more happy, etc. And there's a ripple effect in that. And I feel that for me, that's what I'm trying to convey to other people and the idea of being creative. And imagine if we all sat and we did one little creative thing for five minutes, five hours, whatever, every single day, how much nicer we would be to ourselves and to each other and how many more doors we would open for each other and smile at each other. I feel that a lot of times people who have the idea of I'm not a creative person or I can't draw a straight line, they have taken that joy and gift away from themselves, which is just right there mm -hmm. for all of us. I think that was a very important point. The creative process is really about expanding your horizons and, and how you think. Yeah, it happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I mean, we shouldn't take it as being a novel concept. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the time. <laughs> thank you so much for taking an interest in this. And thank you for reaching out to us and helping spread our message. And I was a science major at Cal Poly, so this is really easy. As I say, I never took physics, but I do know about gravity. <laughs> <laughs> you have been listening to Ears on Art here on KCBX Public Radio for the California Central Coast. Today we have been visiting with two artists, one from San Luis Obispo, Ellen November, and the other from Los Osos, Debbie Gadelo. They are both part of a new program being developed here on the Central Coast entitled Save Our Science, S-L-O, working on the premise that science is an integral part of our daily lives and that art is an integral part of our ability to express ourselves.
they are working on a project that integrates the two. If you wish to learn more, you can find them on their Facebook page, Save Our Science SLO, Instagram, Save Our Science SLO, or via email, Save Our Science SLO at gmail.com. This grassroots program is looking for people who are intrigued by this interdisciplinary approach. You never know what you might create on a disposable white lab coat. Until then, remember this is Art After Dark Friday, so feel free to get out around downtown San Luis and see what's happening. Maps and information are at artsobispo.org and the event is free. As we begin year number 19 of this program, Stephen and I wish to thank all of you for listening and for your many gracious comments of appreciation over the years. 